Well, you made it. You survived the traffic and the road trips, right? You survived dinner with the family. Anybody else's family eat at like 3 o'clock? It's the only time they ever eat at 3 o'clock on Thanksgiving. Never mind. Uh, I don't know why they call it dinner then. It should be afternoon snack. Um, survived Black Friday. I think a good name for today would be like sleep all afternoon Sunday. That's, I've been workshopping that. You're the first people I tried it on, so it wasn't very good. So I'm going to say it again. Sleep all afternoon Sunday. That's pretty good. That's, oh. I know for some of us, we talk about these things, surviving these weekends, and it's almost like this, I know this is crazy, it's almost like family holidays are like a little bad sometimes. I don't think it's like the time off part. We like that. I think the part we don't like is uh, maybe <clears throat> the family part. I Look, family is difficult from the very beginning. Uh, and I don't just mean from uh, birth either. If you are so blessed that you are able to start a family one day, uh, there are going to be trials when you do so. There's just, there's going to be. My wife Nikki and I uh, just celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary. You can clap for that. Our marriage, marriage is officially a teenager now. Um, our kids just think they're teenagers. Um, when our marriage was just a few days old, though, we went to uh, the grocery store. For the first time together. I don't know if you ever remember going to the grocery store with that special someone in your life that first time, but we were excited, you know. We were about to go to our brand new apartment and our brand new life together, so we're going to stock up, right? This is a very revealing date. I was so in love with Nikki that I really believed that, like, it meant something, that we liked the same kind of milk, Okay. You know that kind of love? You're like, ah. You go home and journal about it. You're like, dear diary, you would not believe. (sighs) Do you remember being like that kind of in love? Um, We worked our way to the cereal aisle, big part of our appetites. Uh, We each got a big box of each of our favorite one. And I picked Captain Crunch, the, the yellow box kind, whatever that is. And Nikki picked Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crunches in all the best cereals. We kind of overdid it in the aisle that has all the sauces in it. But I want you to understand this. We went home happy. Later that week, I went to get my first bowl of Captain Crunch as a married man. What I found was less than half a bowl of cereal remaining. I'm concerned that you don't understand. Look, this, we've got an artist recreation of what it was like 13 years ago. We're talking, we're talking we're down to the cereal dust, okay? The cereal dust. You can't, you can't put that in a bowl. You can't put milk in there. Nikki swears it was more than half a bowl. Listen, what I need you to understand, it was not a desirable amount of cereal, okay? <sighs> Feels good to say that. Also, I had eaten none of it. It was all gone. And next 
To my empty box of cereal, uh, we had Nikki's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It looked like this, um, just unopened. That's what I just want you to understand. Unopened, full. Why didn't I just eat this? That's some, what some people wondering. Well, listen, that would require me uh, eating like a grown-up. Uh, if some of you know me, you know I eat like eight things willingly. Uh, cinnamon just, it was not one of them at the time, okay? But when I saw that Nikki hadn't touched her box and mine was gone, that was, that was like when my brain broke, okay? I'm not proud of getting angry over a box of cereal, okay, but I did. I sure did, and I need you guys to understand that. But Nikki got to have my cereal and hers. You know, it wasn't fair. Nikki and I moved on pretty quick, though. I mean, we were literally in our honeymoon phase. And I forgave her. At least I think I did. I, I know I meant to. I, you have any of those? You, I think I forgave them. Honestly, it's embarrassing for me to admit this story because it's really only within like the, maybe the last couple years that I've been able to talk about it without like any of those old angry sparks kind of coming back. Anyone else ever do that? You think you forgive someone, but then you think about it and then... You just kind of end up hurting all over again. You know, it can feel like the forgiveness wasn't authentic, or you can feel like forgiveness never really happened, and it is. It's complicated. When you are close to the person who who hurts you, either in proximity or relationship, the offense has a way of sticking with you. You Uh, A parent, for example, a parent who says something hurtful to a child, that's going to stick with them longer than, I don't know, a stranger cutting them off in traffic. The hurts that stick with you start to shape you. Hurts that stick with you start to shape you. It affects the way that other people interact with you too. You know, and anger impedes our ability to function rationally. Um, That's just the short term. Reed mentioned that uh, in his Uh, research from the University of Melbourne a couple weeks ago. There are long-term issues with with unresolved anger, too. Uh, When humans are under stress, if you look at it ourselves under a microscope, um, it speeds up the rate that our cells die. We lose and regenerate millions of cells every day, uh, but anger is aging us. It raises our blood pressure. Anger can crystallize into fear and hate. It can linger in the form of anxiety and depression. And honestly, we've just, we've become so numb to it that we don't even notice it. We spend a lot of time trying to justify our angry angry feelings um, This is the final week of the Untriggered series. We've been talking in this series about the feelings of anger and bitterness and pride. And it concludes today talking about offense and forgiveness. Uh, 
I think we all know at just some tiny level that forgiveness, uh, it's what's needed to, to solve our anger. The reason I think we know that um, it's the amount of uncomfortable shifting that happened in first service when I talked about this, or any other time you talk about forgiveness. It's okay, you can get your wiggles out. We say that in youth group on these nights. There's almost something haunting about the word forgiveness. And maybe, maybe it's that we're bitter, but um, Adam talked about that a couple weeks ago, so I know no one has any bitterness left, right? We got rid of all that, and there's no new bitterness from Thanksgiving. The reason, besides bitterness, that I think we hold on to our anger is fear. Now, maybe it's the, the fear of leaving your comfort zone. You know, you get all worked up when you think about that person. Or maybe it's a very literal fear of the person who hurts you. I know for me, my stomach used to just turn in knots. Almost like the dredge you feel when you're walking through a haunted house. There are reasons when forgiveness doesn't happen. There are situations, I know, and I see you. I know this is a difficult topic. Because it hurts to think about what's happened. It hurts. So we avoid it, uh, we change the subject, we immerse ourselves in things that are sometimes healthy, sometimes not. If it wasn't clear from the serial fight, um, I've not always chosen a life of forgiveness, but I am working on it, um, very intentionally, especially since Adam had us read a book called Unoffendable. That book changed my life, but first, it made me angry. Has that ever happened to you? Something came along, changed in your life, but first, made you irate. It's funny how that works. Uh, This book, Unoffendable, it had the audacity to say that we could choose to live a life free from offense by choosing forgiveness every time. Uh, could you do that? Does that sound achievable to you? Honestly, like, could you do that for one day? Just choose not to be offended? I want to be clear. I work with teenagers. I can't do it. Would you guys be better at it than me? I do love my job, I promise. You know, the stuff that kids say. Where would someone get the nerve to suggest that we live anger-free? Unfortunately, for that answer, we have to look in the Bible. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. A foothold to the devil. We're going to pause there. Uh, that's some strong language. The devil isn't usually mentioned in the cute version of this advice that we tell people about weddings. You know, don't go to bed angry or the devil's going to get you. We don't do that part. A foothold, I mean, that's, a foothold is a reliable place 
to put your weight while you're climbing. Uh, So when we choose to stay angry effectively, we are giving the devil a a surefire way to attack us. And if we hold on to that longer, he can attack you over and over there. A couple verses later. uh, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Uh, This chapter starts by quoting Psalm 4, verse 4. Just don't sin by letting anger control you. That's why it's in quotes in your Bibles. That means that that wisdom predated Jesus' birth by hundreds of years. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Uh, Sometimes that verse is used to argue that anger isn't sinful, and that's true, technically. Anger is an impulse, a feeling, a response. Uh, It's not sinful, but as soon as you stay angry, that's, that's what really gets you. Did you know that it separates our fight or flight experience from the animals? Humans can choose to stay angry. We're the only life form that is able to choose to stay in fight mode. I think we live in a culture that celebrates anger. You know, uh, Some of us maybe passed a little anger on to our children watching some football games this week. Maybe not you guys, uh, not me this week. The Bears didn't play finally. But you, it's a lot of Thanksgiving and you'll catch me yelling, screaming at the, at the TV, right? I mean, referees, am I right? It's every year. We pass it on to our children. But if you're still angry at sunset, you've probably been slow to forgive a time or two. And that's okay, because I have two. There's hope. I have uh, three more stories I'd like to share with you this morning. And I think they can help. Um, They have fun titles, but the stories themselves are not all that fun. Stories of offense and forgiveness and the truth they showed me about my anger. Um, we talked about the serial fight. You know, that's just kind of a fun bonus that we have. You can tell your kids that one someday. Our next fight, though, is called uh, The Time My Other College Roommate Wanted to Knock Me Out. Uh, now, we have to cover some ground here. Adam Johnson... Our lead pastor was my roommate for two years in college. This story is not about Adam, although I'm sure he's wanted to punch me a time or two also. No, this story is about uh, another roommate I had, a guy named Justin. And guys, listen, just to be clear, I am not talking about Justin, the worship pastor at our church, okay? He was not my roommate in college. Back to the story, uh, there's just this whimsical time of life known as your college years. Your friends start doing crazy things towards the end of this, uh, like getting engaged, going into debt, buying little rings. Uh, Ladies, I'm going to tell you a secret. The guys in your life are more interested in those engagement stories than you think they are, okay? There's something competitive about it. You know, it's a story you're going to tell the rest of your life. And honestly, 
we're a little competitive with it, really starting back in middle school. There's always like that one kid who starts using creativity and money to start asking girls out. You know what I'm talking about? Like, guys like me don't have a chance. You know, they make it so you can't just get away with doing the circle yes or no note anymore. There's always someone raising the bar like that. Um, So hearing my old roommate talk about the ring he had bought, the engagement he was planning, you know, he trusted me with every detail of that. Just me. I was the only person he told this to. Um, So when I repeated every detail of his engagement story to another mutual friend of ours, a couple hours later, um, I was not doing a cool thing. I was not being kind. Uh, I was careless. Honestly, if you'd asked me about this fight before now, I, I would have told you that, um, I would have given you excuse, an excuse about whose fault it really was, but I need you to hear, this was my fault. I acted carelessly. I acted really jealously. I was jealous. I was jealous that my friend had found the one already. Uh, so I didn't, didn't take care of his story. And just a few days later, Justin came over to my house again. It was late. I could see he was upset. This was not our usual interaction. So it turned out everything he told me and just me about the engagement uh, had gotten back to his fiancée-to-be. Now she knew it all. She knew all the little surprises, knew what the ring looked like. He was angry enough to hit me. I think a show of hands in this room would probably uh, back him up on that. I can't remember the words we said to get there, but I can tell you that night ended with, with tears. It ended with prayer. He forgave me. He never did punch me. Justin showed me mercy that night. Justin also still like kind of instinctively like balled up his fist every time he saw me for the next few months too. Both those things that can be true. Uh, the truth is he had to choose to forgive me each time that old feeling welled up. I think that's the part that we hate the most. The re-forgiving. How long do we have to do that? Uh, The disciples asked Jesus that same question. This is Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came to him, says Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Some translations there say 77 times, but... The point is the same either way. If you are counting the number of I'm sorry's that you're hearing, um, you're doing it wrong. Jesus is speaking hyperbolically. He's exaggerating slightly to make his point, which is forgive again and again. And that's easy for me to talk about in this story, right? I'm the one receiving forgiveness. I think we like the idea of unlimited forgiveness for ourselves. Just not for certain people, right? 
My second story uh, is not a fun one, but it has kind of a funny title. It's called uh, Why I Hate Ohio. It's a sad story, though. Um, and even sadder, the story is, is not that unique. Uh, pardon the pun of using this language in this series, but this is a legitimate trigger warning for everyone. Um, when I was in, in grade school, my family lived in Ohio for a few years, and while I was there, I experienced traumatic sexual abuse. It left me with a lot of fear. It left me with a lot of anger. I didn't have words for what I'd went through, so I never told anyone. I'd see the person who hurt me in the neighborhood still sometimes and pedal home as fast as I could on my bike. Or I'd see something that reminded me of what happened and I'd freeze. You wouldn't believe the journey that I've taken to get to these words today, but uh, I forgive my abuser. I really do. Now, don't lose me here. I don't have to be reconciled to that person, and you don't either. They do not need to be reincorporated back into your life like nothing ever happened, same as before. Forgiveness does not come at the expense of justice does not come with the suppression of your feelings. Uh, I have found, though, a quote spoke to me even before I fully realized why. uh, This quote captures the meaning of forgiveness better than any I've ever found. It means that I trust in God's justice and I release bitterness and anger and a desire for personal vengeance. It does not mean that I minimize or mitigate or excuse what he's done does not mean that I pursue justice on earth any less zealously. Rachel Den Hollander. If that name looks familiar at all, uh, Rachel was one of over 265 Olympic caliber gymnasts who were abused by a man who was pretending to treat them medically and went on for years. She said this exact quote for, for him. Someone who'd abused over 265 young women. So we're supposed to release bitterness. We're supposed to release a desire for personal vengeance for people like that. That's the challenge. There are a lot of bad reasons to forgive someone. Uh, Don't do it just because your mom says to. Don't do it because you've been shamed into it anyway. Uh, Don't just use empty words. That's not the answer. The only good reason that I have ever found to forgive the people that hurt us is because God forgave us. This is Ephesians 4.32 again. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Guys, forgiveness is not about us, even though it undeniably 
benefits our health. It, forgiveness is not really for the people that hurt us, even though we offer it to them. Forgiveness is for God. God who so loved the whole world. I'll say it like this. Forgiveness is an act of worship. It was very uncomfortable when I read that the first time. Forgiveness is an act of worship. I think some of us might be more open to that idea if maybe certain conditions were met or uh, apologies were made. And Most of the apologies that we are waiting on are not coming. A lot of the apologies we genuinely need to get on with our lives are not going to happen. Sometimes that person passes away. Sometimes they fall off the map. Sometimes they don't want to see us anymore. I know this is crazy. Sometimes they don't think they did anything wrong. But Jesus died for the people who hurt you too. Jesus' love is that kind of big, that kind of radical. I went to my 20th high school reunion last month. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to something like that or not, but it's, it's pretty daunting. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Most people don't go. Uh, and I wasn't going to go, but I had a, a last-minute change of heart, we'll say. Uh, if you do ever choose to go to a reunion, it's all about positioning in that room. Uh, you're going to have to be very aggressive, but here's a tip. And get yourself positioned right by the door. Okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. That way when you see that old classmate who you haven't talked to you since you were sophomores coming up to you, you can just slip right out. Should have seen all the people who were on the other side of the door. This reunion, there's so many people hiding out. Oh, man. I'm glad I went. Uh, we don't tend to think about it. But the kingdom of heaven is going to involve an awkward reunion or two. So we can practice. Practice right now. Um, takes us to our final story. Call this one the battle to prove I belong. Uh, this fight started years before the abuse. Uh, I remember the first day of kindergarten. The other kids at my table made fun of me for coloring a picture of Mother Goose incorrectly. I don't know what color she's supposed to be, but I did it wrong. I don't know if this is supposed to be a goose or just like an odd duck, but either way, like this, this fits, okay? I, I struggled socially. Uh, I had a speech impediment. I was already an easy target. And then, uh, then I got glasses. Anybody been there? Uh, my glasses... Uh, were thick frames, and for me, it meant strangers coming up to me in restaurants and asking me if I was Ralphie from A Christmas Story. You can take that in for a second. You can picture just the thick frames. You can laugh. It's okay. I'm, I've made peace with this. I, I have held myself to ridiculous standards to improve socially, but um, it's never been sustainable. Uh, I let myself down. Every time. 
the way I talk to myself when I make mistakes, my inner dialogue, honestly, is, is pretty disgusting. The lies I tell myself, it's, it's gross. I think that's because often the person we need to forgive the most is ourselves. Part of the lie that keeps us from forgiving others is thinking that we don't deserve forgiveness either. Why would that happen? Why would we believe lies? I don't know. Who, who likes when we believe lies? Who have we given a foothold to if we've stayed angry even, even just a couple days? Lies abound, but God is truth. And the truth is forgiveness is an act of worshiping God, so we forgive, even ourselves. The path to forgiving uh, yourself means ongoing radical honesty about what's been influencing you, what's influencing your thoughts. It means you're probably going to get uncomfortable at some point in time. Very little healing happens in the comfort zone. And for me, forgiving myself has meant working on my mental health and my physical health. It's meant counseling uh, for me, counseling for my marriage, medication for depression. I even got a tattoo on my arm to remind me that I'm a beloved child of God every time I manage to forget. There's been abundant grace from my wife and family. And there's been no shortage of angry moments, but Honestly, there's been anger between drafts of this message. But that's what you're working through. Those feelings we prefer to ignore. Forgive again and again until that person or that situation can no longer shift your mood so quickly. Can no longer make a bad day or take a good day and make it bad up. We have to accept God's forgiveness for others, and for ourselves daily. We could even do it three times a day. Uh, This is from Matthew chapter 6. We're almost done this morning. Um, This is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. This seems like a pretty important thing for us to pay attention to. This is what Jesus thinks we should pray for. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So that's called the Lord's Prayer. It's a pretty big one. Um, Do you see this? Are we forgiving as often as we're eating? Jesus says there's really only two things we need every day. Food, forgiveness for ourselves, forgiveness for others. I guess that's three things, but you get it. Are we asking for forgiveness even once a day? Are we offering it? You know, what if we did make that part of mealtime? What if you made it like, hey, can you pass the mashed potatoes? Also, uh, I'm sorry, I really got a little too angry about the state of your room this morning, and I, I overdid it. Are we taking a forgiveness stance, or are we letting sunset after sunset fall on our anger? I think forgiveness is the most demanding thing I've had to do as a follower of Jesus. But there is one thing that's harder, um, 
And that's living a life of unforgiveness. This is what I mean. Uh, when we're slow to forgive, we actually stay in very close relationship with the people who hurt us. What I mean by that is they continue to affect us a lot on our day in and day out lives. But forgiveness frees us from their added influence. If you're sitting here right now and you're like, oh, Kyle, that's not true. You know, I can think about them and this feeling wells up. There's some re-forgiving to do there. Fortunately, the steps for re-forgiveness and forgiveness are the same. Uh, We're just going to run through a few short ones right here as we end. Where do we start? Well, first of all, we have to define how we were hurt. We have to actually take the time to put it in the simplest terms possible, the ways you've been hurt. I think we like to skip this step and just kind of go right to bitterness, or we start hanging out in that fear that overwhelms. But when we put words to what happened, it can help take power away from that event, that person, bit by bit. To use the serial fight as an example, uh, I would define the way I was hurt this way. You know, I was hurt by not having the cereal I was expecting available to me. You can laugh at the cereal fight. It's okay. The next step is we have to lament that pain. So lament is a fancy word, but it just means when we bring our anger, complaints, and sadness to God. That looks different for different people. Uh, I have taken to really enjoying this nice stretch of drive where I, I can put on like a, like a, I don't know, anybody listen to like Christian metal? Just me? All right, well, uh, I like to go just listen to a, a nice stretch of a certain song, and maybe sometimes I just scream. Maybe your lament is quieter. Uh, I did not scream to God about my crunch berries, but I did much more quietly, much more solemnly say, God, why did this have to happen on our honeymoon? Why? Why did it have to happen so soon? Does this mean something? Your lament is probably somewhere in between. So you could try writing it out or journaling it. But once you do those things, you need to draw up boundaries. If you choose to reconcile, don't use words that dig at each other's sensitivities. Don't be, be clear. Do be clear about what you need, but don't take cheap shots at the other person while you're deciding what current events you can still talk about at the dinner table. You have to be kind. And then you have to be sure to actually observe those boundaries. Um, this may or may not surprise you, but uh, we don't have Captain Crunch at the house a lot these, these days, but when we do, it disappears even faster. We have more mouths to feed. But we try to make sure that everyone gets a fair portion or, this is, a, this is a life pro tip, uh, or you get two boxes of cereal next time. That's right, because eventually, eventually we learn. Eventually. Eventually, when you are ready to authentically take the last step and forgive as we have been forgiven, and that means, like we talked about earlier, forgiving again and again. It means forgiving as an act of worshiping God. It means forgiving others and ourselves as often as we eat. 
Do you know that Jesus actually offered forgiveness while he was still on the cross? This is Luke 32. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. I think that's a pretty good prayer. Really, just any time. Will you guys, you guys pray with me? Father, please forgive us. We still don't know what we're doing. Help us. Please bring to mind the, the situation, the person, maybe the people that we need to forgive the most. Help us to have the, the strength to forgive others. Please take the burden, the extra burden uh, that anger adds to us and, and take it away. Please give us the strength to forgive our abusers and give us your love to forgive ourselves. God, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. In Jesus' name, amen.